0: I would like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Uh, This morning we are going to consider Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verses 25 through 30, but I would like to begin the reading in verse um, 19. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 19, before we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together, friends. Father, as you have brought the rain down abundantly, for which we are so thankful. And as the rain comes down, we think about the way in which the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, but water the earth and make it bring forth fruit. For those who sow and for those who eat. We are reminded of the way in which your word goes out to your people. That it shall not return to you void. And so we pray, Father, that as the gospel rains down upon our hearts this morning. That you would cause fruit to grow in your people. Cause us to be made more like Christ. That his name might be magnified through our loving obedience to him and to one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians Chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, beloved, this is the word of God. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. But on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. The last section of chapter 2 is concerned with Epaphroditus. With this and with the previous section that we looked at last week, we have Timothy and Epaphroditus propped up as twin examples of what Christ's likeness looks like or what Christ-mindedness looks like. Epaphroditus is mentioned in chapter 4 as well, in verse 18, Paul says this about him. He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Epaphroditus then had been sent from Philippi to Rome, if that's where Paul was in prison, possibly Rome, He had been sent from Philippi to Rome, and he brought with him not only news from the church and about the church, but he also brought with him a financial gift to the Apostle Paul from the church. Now, after that had taken place, Paul is sending Epaphroditus back to Philippi. Epaphroditus will then arrive in Philippi with news about Paul and about Timothy, and likely he would arrive in Philippi with this very letter. It may have been that he carried this very letter to the Philippians. And so Paul takes this opportunity to explain Epaphroditus' return and to commend him church. First, he says that sending Epaphroditus was necessary. Verse 25, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. The Philippians might have been expecting Timothy instead, and we talked about that last week. Timothy was already with Paul, but we saw last week that Paul needed Timothy to stay with him a little while longer. He needed him there with them until he could figure out what the official judgment was in terms of his sentence. Would he be executed? Would he not be executed? Why was Epaphroditus sent? Verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed. He has been anxious because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy upon him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. And so it's clear from these words here that at some point in his journey towards Paul, as Epaphroditus is going towards Paul with the financial gift, looking to see Paul, sent by the Philippians, that he got sick. He got very sick. And it's clear, too, that news about his illness had come back to the Christians in Philippi. They heard about that illness. It's also clear that Epaphroditus, after becoming sick, and had gotten news also that the Philippians were distressed about him being sick. And so there's some form of communication going on in the midst of all of this, the Philippians heard that Epaphroditus was sick, and Epaphroditus at some point heard that the Philippians knew he was sick. They, they were distressed about him. Verse 26, he was distressed, he said, because you heard that he was ill. They, he knew that the church knew that he was ill. And so we have this event in Epaphroditus' mission to Paul. He gets sick, and in fact so sick he almost dies. Now three times Paul mentions the fact that Epaphroditus came very close to dying in this mission, in this trip to Paul and for the church. Death was knocking at Epaphroditus' door during this time. Verse 27, indeed he was ill, near to death. Verse 30, he nearly died. Verse 30 again, he risked his life. And we can't help but stop here. And think about what we've already seen in the Christ hymn. About what Jesus did. He was obedient to the point of death. Death didn't just knock at Jesus' door though. Death came all the way in and sat down on the couch. He died. Christ died for the church. Then what do we see in Paul here? Death ringing the doorbell. Chapter 1. I seek to magnify, I have full hope that I will magnify Christ, whether by life or by death, if I am to live. That is, if I'm not executed here, then there will be fruitful labor labor for me. I I could be executed. So even as Paul wrote this letter, and even as he sent Epaphroditus off back to likely deliver this letter to the Philippians, for Paul at least, death was still a specter, it was still a, a ghost, Hovering in the background. He still wasn't quite sure fully how it would turn out. And so we see then in Epaphroditus, who nearly died, he got sick and he almost died, in Paul, who still has execution in the background, a possible execution in the background, and in Timothy, we see these men laying down their lives for the church. They're literally coming very near to death for the church in their service of the church. And so we have in these men replications of Christ-like thinking. They are imitating Christ. They are replicating Christ by their very lives, coming near to death, and then even as they come out of that, continuing on in their service for the church and for the gospel. And so Paul here, for the Apostle Paul, he indirectly presents, at this point, he indirectly presents his attitude and his obedience as examples for the church to follow. Later, he's, he's going to come directly out and say it. He, he'll essentially say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's later in the letter. But for now, his, his example is more indirect. But he directly and clearly puts Timothy and Epaphroditus, he sets them up as twin examples, like we've said, of Christ's likeness. Christ mindedness. You want to know what Christ likeness looks like? Here you go. Timothy and Epaphroditus. This is what it looks like. Paul says Epaphroditus went through all of this for Christ. Verse 30. He nearly died for the work of Christ. This was Christ's work that Epaphroditus was involved in delivering messages, visiting Paul, serving Paul, serving the church risking his life even. This was all work initiated by Christ and done for Christ. And it's, it's something that we all participate in. We all have a job to do. We all have a role to fill in the kingdom, in the church. We are called by Christ to do those jobs for him, for his sake. That's what we see in Epaphroditus. He nearly died for what? For the work of Christ it's work that is carried out, friends, by each one of us in the power of the spirit of Christ. And so it's all done living, possibly dying, being sent, traveling, working, whatever we're called to do. It's all done to magnify Christ for him. That is what we are all called to do. And that is what Epaphroditus did. And he set an example for the rest of the church and the way in which he did this. To put it another way, Epaphroditus was not seeking his own interest. Remember verse 21. They all seek their own interest. Epaphroditus didn't do that. He didn't seek his own interest. He, his work was done for Christ, no matter what it entailed. Getting sick, almost dying. He continues on. Paul, even while in chains for the gospel, he was surrounded by people Leaders in the church, even pastors who really sought every opportunity to promote their own name. If someone like Paul was put in a weak position, like being imprisoned, which he was when he wrote this letter, these people would see that as an opportunity to use his weakness to prop themselves up before the church or in status before whomever. They would use it as an opportunity to advance their own cause. And so they were spurred on by envy and rivalry. That's what drove them. That was their motive. Even though in the end they preached Christ, that was their true motive, rivalry. This is who Paul is surrounded by. And so, in the midst of all these kinds of people clamoring to make a name for themselves, to rise higher, who actually stands out? These people, they want to stand out, they want to be recognized. But who actually stands out in Paul's mind in the church? And who should be honored? That's what these people are after. I want honor. I want the honor that the Apostle Paul has. He's in chains. Now it's my turn. I want that honor. Those people don't get honor. There's no honor in that. Who actually does get honor in Paul's mind? Men like this, Epaphroditus and Timothy. Men like these, quietly, sometimes invisibly, working, serving for Christ, joyfully serving the church, willing to risk their lives even for the sake of the church. That's who should receive honor. And so it shouldn't be a surprise here that Paul says honor such men. <laughs> honor these men. They're rare. A, it's a rare find for me right now. Verse 29, he tells them again, receive, them, receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy. You should be thankful for this man, church. This is what... Paul was telling them, receive him, submit to him, serve him, be glad for him, receive him in the Lord with all joy. He risked his life to bring completion, your service to me. He put his life on the line for the church, for Paul. And so the Philippians were to receive Epaphroditus with joy. The Philippians sent Epaphroditus with a financial gift for Paul. On the way, Epaphroditus almost died. But God was merciful to him, as Paul says here. He lived. And having survived his brush with death, what did Epaphroditus do? Did he turn back? Did he quit? Did he give up? No, he completed the mission. Verse 30, he completed what was lacking. He almost died, and yet he lived because God had mercy upon him, and he completed the task that was given to him. Now, these were not the days, friends, of Venmo and Apple Cash. In order to get money... Uh, someone had to personally deliver that gift to another person. This is where Epaphroditus came in. Paul needed help, he needed financial resources. This was coming from the Philippian church, and so someone had to deliver that financial gift to him. That is who that is what Epaphroditus did. And so Paul, and so Paul says here this man, and Timothy also, he says, Here are your examples, church, of the kind of Mindset and the kind of obedience that I was talking about earlier. What did Paul talked about earlier to the, this church? Have the same mind. Have the same love. have one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition. Do all things without grumbling. Work out your salvation. This, this is what that looks like. Timothy and Epaphroditus. This is what that looks like. I'm telling you to do it. Now I'm giving you an example of what that might look like in the life of the church. Now Paul talks about the grief he might have had to endure if Epaphroditus would have died for this illness. Verse 27, he says, God had mercy on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now what was the sorrow that was already there? What was the sorrow that Paul's talking about? If, if Epaphroditus died, he would experience sorrow on top of an already present sorrow. What was that already present sorrow? Was it his chains? Perhaps. Losing a dear friend while in chains? That would be certainly double sorrowful. His loneliness in prison? Maybe. But What about the fact that so many around him were so selfish? I have no one like him. I have no one like these men. They all serve their own interests. Paul was surrounded by men who preached Christ, praised the Lord. He rejoiced in that, but they preached Christ partly for selfish reasons, using Paul's predicament to advance their own causes, their own names. In the middle of that, you have Epaphroditus, who Paul describes as a fellow soldier, a messenger, a minister of Paul's needs, a minister of the church, faithfully serving both Paul and the Philippians, a fellow worker alongside Paul, a sincere brother in the Lord. For, man, for Paul, the Apostle Paul, a man like this, selfless, hardworking, joyful, content, unfazed by his brush with death, this man was a priceless treasure to him in the ministry. He was already certainly Experiencing a measure of, of sorrow over those that were called to serve Paul in his time of need, and yet used his time of need for their own interest, and so to lose a man such as this at a time like this, Paul would have endured much sorrow. Uh, but God was merciful; He spared Timoth- He spared Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus uh, then was back from the dead, as it were. He looked like he might have died, but here he is, alive and well continuing to serve, continuing to work for Christ, Paul was telling the Philippians essentially this. When he arrives, when Epaphroditus arrives, I want you to recognize and appreciate all that he's been through and all that he does for the sake of the church as I do. I want you to feel about him as I feel about him. The value of men like this, I want you to appreciate that. Epaphroditus is to be honored. He is to be valued. That is what Paul is talking about here. Now is not the time to contend against whatever Epaphroditus is trying to do once he arrives. Now is the time to receive him. He deserves your honor, he deserves your support. I am sending him to you. This is essentially what Paul was saying. I'm sending, I am sending him to you, and I hope to send Timothy soon, and I hope that I can come too at some point. In the meantime, let's try to begin the work of being unified in Christ. Let's try to begin this work by receiving Epaphroditus with joy and honoring him. You see what Paul is doing there. I hope to send Timothy. I hope I come too. Epaphroditus is about to show up. He may have already shown up. Let's start to work on the things that I've already commanded the church to work on with how we treat Epaphroditus. Let's receive him in the Lord. Let's be united with him in all that he's taking part in. And what do we see at work in Epaphroditus? Well, it's the spirit of Christ. God was at work in him. This is what Paul wanted the Philippians to see and to appreciate and to honor in Epaphroditus, and this is what we are all called to see and appreciate and honor in those in the church that are like this man, that are like, that are like Timothy in Epaphroditus, appreciate that the Spirit is at work in us. The Spirit of Christ is at work in your neighbor. We are to honor that, to value that, to support that, to encourage that, not to impede the work of the Spirit in the lives of God's people. Now, the last thing I want us to consider here is part of the motivation behind Paul's decision to send Epaphroditus back to this church. Verse 25 and 26, he says, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Now, real quick here, before we move on with this last point, Paul doesn't say this outright, but I think it goes without saying. Epaphroditus's physical return to Philippi His godly, unselfish presence, the fact that he's back from the dead, that he came very close to death and he shows up and he's still alive, still selflessly serving the church, joyfully serving the church, his godly, unselfish presence among them, especially after having escaped death, this no doubt, it would have been a major boon to this congregation. It would have been a boost to have him there, right next to them to see him in their week-to-week activities. I I think that would have been a boost to their ability, to their encouragement to actually follow through with what Paul was telling them to do, which is to be united. And so he says, I thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus. Perhaps part of that necessity is that I need someone there who can actually Show these people what, it, what it's like to serve in this way. This is a wonderful church. They've helped me. But there are some things that need to be worked on here. There's some unity issues. This is what Paul's writing this letter. Is what we see in this letter. It would be very good to have Epaphroditus, to have his feet on the ground with them, to encourage them in this. Paul couldn't be there. Timothy, he needed to beside him for a little while longer. In the meantime... With Epaphroditus back with them, this church just might be inspired all the more by his example to do what he's calling them to do, to live unselfish lives for one another and for Christ. Now, as we think about this, don't, don't, don't we all want this? Don't, wouldn't it be nice if all of us were considered by leaders in the church, were considered by others in the church as someone like this, like Epaphroditus? Like, that our presence is a positive influence upon the church? Isn't that something of what we all want to have? Certainly I think it, it should be that our physical presence, our commitment, our activity within the church is something that, that contributes to what's happening uh, in the church. I would think that it, receiving Epaphroditus with, in the Lord with all joy didn't just mean Throw a welcome back party for him and then go on living selfish lives. I don't think that's what Paul had in mind. Receive him, I think, meant receive him and then keep receiving him. Act like him. Imitate him. Support him. Now, certainly, uh, this is what receiving Epaphroditus and the Lord with, with joy would include. Paul even said this to them earlier. He said, complete my joy by having the same mind, one love, and so on. And so there's joy to be had in in being Epaphrodituses in the church. There's a joy to be experienced. But what was it in Epaphroditus himself that partly compelled Paul to send him back? He said, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. We've looked at a couple different reasons uh, why that was so. He came near to death. They would love to see him in person. He still needs Timothy there with him. He might have chosen Epaphroditus to stay with him, but he needs Timothy to stay by him. So that's, that's a reason. But what, what was it in Epaphroditus himself that partly pushed him towards deciding to actually send this man as opposed to someone else? He said, I thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you. Verse 26, for he has been, and listen to the way I say this. I hope you can catch it. Because it's wrong. <laughs> I, I thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus to you. Verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because he got sick. He almost died and he wants to be comforted by you. Now, you know, when I get sick, usually, I want everyone around me to throw a pity party about how miserable I feel. I want everybody to recognize just how much pain I'm going through. The way I just read those verses would have been more appropriate to someone like me. And I'm sure some of you can attest to the same type of thing. Let's reread these verses. Because this was not how Epaphroditus felt. I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus... For he was longing for you. He was distressed. He was anxious. Because you heard that he was ill. Epaphroditus, having narrowly escaped death, he almost died, was not anxious about himself. He was anxious about the Philippians. How they might have felt after hearing about his illness. He wanted to return to them, not to put himself at ease, but to put them at ease. That's why he wanted to get back, so that they could see him and see that he's alive and well, to put them at ease. He's concerned about the way they felt, not how he felt, even after almost dying. Their fears, their concerns, even after all he went through, he, he might have had the right to, to be concerned about himself, to, to want to be comforted, but he gave that up. He was concerned about them. There's no report from Paul that Epaphroditus grumbled or complained, only that he desired deeply to return to the church to comfort them. They were anxious about this news that they received about their beloved Epaphroditus, about his illness. Epaphroditus found out about their anxiety. And so he tells Paul his desires. I want to go back. They're worried about me. I want to go back and show them everything's okay. And so they all together decide, Paul, Epaphroditus, they decide to have this good man return to Philippi so that he can do this. So they, they can see him, and they can see Epaphroditus, and he can tell them, I'm okay, I've completed the mission, and also perhaps to give them this very letter uh, from Paul. Now you know, after Epaphroditus returned and the welcome, party, welcome back party was over, I think we can safely guess, obviously we're not told this, but I think we can safely guess that it didn't take Epaphroditus long after he returned to say, let's keep working. Let's, let's find out what Paul needs next. I think it's highly likely that's what happened after he returned. Here was a man, and Timothy also, who, like his Savior, counted others as more significant than himself. This is the kind of attitude that we should be all, all of us should be after, friends, the mind of Christ. To him be all praise and glory now and forevermore. Let's pray together.